On today's episode of the Just Jazz podcast, we will be talking about the Jazz eight-game win streak sadly coming to an end. And really a week of weirdness, not knowing the Jazz kind of forgetting their identity, not understanding what it is that they want to do, blowing big leads, um, talking a little bit about keeping up with Quinn, our buzzer-beaten hot takes, and just Jazz basketball, baby. All right, Max, here we go. Left-hand dribble, hands off the memo, for money, yes! Cash it in the bank! Runs it to Burks, catch and shoot three, no. Rebound, oh my! I gotta see that over and over again. Played by who? Mitchell. This is Just Jazz, your weekly podcast for Utah Jazz game analysis, news, rumors, predictions, undying love, and more. We're your hosts, Zach and Max. Excited to be here talking about more jazz basketball as usual. Um, we had a good uh, a good high to, to rant about. We had an eight-game win streak that came to an end, unfortunately. Um, lost two straight at home, surprisingly, and then got the win tonight. Um, I was about to text Zach and say, hey, if we lose, I'm not recording the pod. Um, things are getting kind of scary tonight, but uh, I decided not to say it, didn't want to jinx it, and we held on and actually finished the game really strong. Uh, what did you like tonight from the game, Zach? I, I think there was some some good things that the Jazz did for sure. I think the biggest thing that stood out to me was Mike Conley. Um, you know, his stats might not show it uh, a whole lot. He finished the game – only with 14 points on four of 13 and two of eight. Um, but Mike Conley had some very, very big plays tonight. Um, there was one, I think it was in the first half, they were kind of making a run and Conley came down and hit two threes. Uh, and then to end the game, you know, they were on their huge run. And I think they ended up taking the lead, went up by one, and then Mike Conley came down and, and won. Uh, a little floater, and that kind of changed the momentum of things. So just the easy, the easy going of of Mike Conley, the man's steady. Yeah, he he did, definitely didn't shoot great, but he definitely uh, energized the team a few times tonight. And I know that we also spoke about how you you thought that Rudy Gobert was also um, pretty central to our success. Uh, you know, twenty three points, twenty one rebounds, but what especially stood out is him going fifteen of sixteen from the three. Th- free throw line, um, 93.8%. That's like, I don't know, will we ever see that from Rudy Gobert again? I don't know, but it's pretty awesome. And, um, you know, some, some great play um, from the team all around. I was really impressed. A lot of good hustle plays. Royce O'Neal had a good one where he got the steal um, after the Hornets got the, the rebound and then alley-ooped it to Boyan. There, there were some fun things. Um, Rudy Gay uh, got an and one dunk. And on the very next play, he came down and almost – Threw down another huge dunk. So, although it got really close, it was a really fun uh, game to watch, and we held on, um, showed what we're made of. Um, but yeah, Zach, let's jump into high note, low note. Let's give a, a low note as well. Um, so, what was your high note? So, my high note 
was just to see the get back in the win column, you know, to uh, to get back there and and know that this team can still win, you know, and that might sound like a bit of a a stretch because you know we did just go on that eight game win streak, but you know these last couple of games, it's this week it hasn't really been jazz basketball. We'll start off jazz basketball and then just blow these massive leads and we did it again tonight. And so that's really my low note is just these blown leads. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, my low note, I'll add it real quick just cause we're on the topic is definitely just the, you know, the Spurs, you know, that was a, a game we should have won. And I think that we should have won the wizards game as well, but especially that Spurs game um, at that point, the last three losses were um, a combined four points. Um, and it, it was just tough. It, it wasn't a, a good feeling. And then the very next day we came back and lost two straight at home. So uh, yeah, th- that was the low note, but um, I think my high note was definitely tonight. I, I've been, I, Rudy Gobert is the MVP this year of the Utah Jazz so far. He has played consistent. His offense, we're getting the, him the ball more. He is playing with confidence on both ends of the court. I, I love what I'm seeing from him. Um, you know, he shot really good from the free throw line at one point in the game. It was pretty early on. He shot a little mid-range pull-up. I don't know how far out it was. but Airballed. <laughs> it, airballed it. But I think he's earned that. I think that we owe it to him to let him – I've been frustrated many times this season when he's brought the ball up the court when he shouldn't have, um, when he tries to dribble um, and take – you know, make a shot for himself. But I think that he's earned – the trust this year um, I've been really happy and especially in the last week or so he's been just maintaining his consistency. I'm, I'm really proud. I'm really excited to see what he's doing. I think he's going to be central to our long-term success. Um, but yeah, Rudy Gobert, he's the high note for sure. Yeah. My high note for the week. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to say it's the higher of, Danny H, you know, talk about that a little bit. That just brings some more championship DNA to the Jazz. I know a lot of people aren't necessarily too high on that, but, you know, I really do like Danny, and I think that he brings in an outside edge that hasn't been here for a while, and he can see if things are going right or if things are going wrong and and make the decisions necessary. And I think Danny's one of those guys that could make a trade um, – that that puts us over the top yeah that was an interesting uh pickup for sure it's been in the rumor mill for you know since he left the celtics and uh, it was kind of a surprise to see it all of a sudden just happen mid-season um i've heard a lot of bad but i've also heard some good not bad but a lot of uh, i would say like doubt um from jazz fans um but like you said um I, I also expressed doubt at first. I don't know how I, how I feel about it quite yet, but I do agree with what you said. He brings championship experience. Um, he's made a lot of awesome trades. Um, you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, those are huge pickups, huge drafts um, that they wouldn't have even been able to get had they not been set up by trades that Danny Ainge set up. So it will be interesting to see what they do. Um, but yeah, we'll see, you know, we'll see. Yeah, I think that 
you know, Jalen Brown to Utah is confirmed, Max. <laughs> Let's hope so. That'd be awesome. That would be that would be incredible. Um, no, but you know, I think Danny. You know, I I like what Ryan's doing. You know, Ryan's bringing in champions. He's bringing in guys that have won in different scenarios, different um, situations, and and I think you know you can never fault a guy for trying to bring in the best you know a lot of uh, I know a lot of people were kind of down on this hire and and didn't think it was great but you know Ryan Smith's out here trying to trying to build a championship team and a championship organization really it's it's more than just a championship team at this point um you know he's he's got to do what he's got to do to to find success yeah, I mean, I agree. And the rumor mill, the the trade rumors are are starting to get going. Um, I've seen Joe Ingles, I've seen Boyan. Um, you know, those are names I've seen pop up initially. Um, people are interested in Jeremy Grant. I've also seen that a uh, house guy from the Rockets just was waived, and yeah, we wouldn't even have to trade for him. So um, we'll see what a uh, kind of impact Danny Ainge has. But um, you know, I'm not trying to. I like our team right now. Um, but obviously we may need to make a move to take it to the next level to get to, we don't want to, you know, the Western conference finals, we always talk about how it's like finals or, or West Western conference finals are bust. But I mean, I think we, we are very good and we should be shooting for the NBA finals. And, um, in order to get there, we might have to make a trade that would be hard to see. Um, tonight, Boyan played really good. Joe, I always, you know, he's just like, you know, an all-time favorite, you know, fan favorite. So it's the idea of him. I feel like he's like kind of our glue. Um, imagining him not being around would be, is a, is a sad thought. But, um, you know, with Danny Ainge, we might have an extra mind um, to come up with a good trade scenario that would benefit the Jazz long-term. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens as – the rumors start picking up and the deadline gets closer and closer. Yeah. I think that, uh, that a lot of jazz fans could be sad with, with what is coming, but you know, in this front office, we trust, you know, since, since Ryan Smith has taken over, he's played it perfectly. Has he not? Like, I say so. Like there really isn't because he took over as free agency started last year and has, has played it pretty much as, as well as you could have, um, you know, was very with the money we've had available. Yes. Yeah. With the money we've had available has been able to create this team. That's a championship caliber team, whether or not we win the championship, we're, we're one of the top, you know, five or six teams in the NBA. And, and I think we are good enough to win it. And a lot of that's thanks to Ryan Smith with, with the things that he's done. So whatever Ryan wants to do, I'm okay with, I'll, I'll put my faith in him and, and let this team be great. That being said, he doesn't know much about basketball, but I, I feel that he's investing in, personnel that know what they're doing um and he's setting up a culture that inspires and motivates and 
there's a lot to look forward to for sure. Um, yeah, one, so, yeah. Thing, one thing that I heard about Ryan Smith is um, he sits in as many meetings as he can. He wants to know what Quinn's doing, why he's doing it. Um, he wants to sit in with, with the GM, you know, talk with the players, get the things that they like that they don't like. But the other thing that I noticed is last year, Ryan Smith sat across from the bench. Um, courtside, that's where his seats were. This year, he's right next to the scores table. So he's, he's more involved. Um, and from what my dad was saying, uh, shout out my dad. He, uh, that's where Larry Miller used to sit. And then he got too involved. And so Gail made him switch to the other side. So Ryan's bringing back that culture of getting, getting involved and, you know, trying to bring this title and do everything that he can to, to continue to learn the process so that he can create the best team possible. Yeah, that's interesting, but it is cool. I mean, and it makes you feel good to know that your owner's invested and then you have D Wade who's invested and um, you know, just all these pieces coming into play. The jazz really have a bright future ahead and I'm really excited to see what's going, um, going to happen for them. Um, as the season goes on, as the next few years um, come, because, you know, I think that they're establishing a, a culture, not that the culture wasn't already a team or a place that people wanted to join, but it's going to become a better and better um, team culture, a, a better um, place to come and build your career, spend your career, end your career, uh, whatever it may, may be. You know, Ryan Smith is investing and it's, it's going to be awesome. And I'm, I'm glad I'm a Jazz fan at this time um, of their franchise. Take, yeah, take freaking note. Um, but yeah, let's jump in. Let's talk a little about a bit about tonight's game, um, a bit more. Um, well, specifically, let's talk about us giving up that lead and maybe explaining how we feel or what we think about that. Um, you know, the Jazz they seem to be a team more than anyone else that gets up big. Um, our offense, you know, we're, it's a juggernaut. They can they can just explode for these huge runs where they just leave the other team in the dust and they can get up and then maintain that lead. They can throw in their bench. They can go deep into the bench, but it seems like our players, it's our starters that are the ones on the court when this lead just gets hacked into. I mean, sometimes it's our bench, but I honestly feel that it's when our starters are on the court where we're just getting obliterated. Um, and I've, I wonder why. Um, and so I wanted to ask you, Zach, why do you think that the Jazz, whether it's the starters or not, why they give up these these huge leads when they can easily, you know, extend it and go, you know, create these even larger leads than what they've already established early on in the, the first few quarters? So I think the biggest thing, and, and to um, – to talk about the lead and the losing of leads, I think the one that you have to go to is the Spurs game, right? The, that game was played on um, Friday. And, you know, there was a point where we were up, I think we were up like 17 at half, right? You're up 14 at half. Yeah, four. I think our largest lead was 17. And 
there was a moment in the second quarter, or it might've been the start of the third quarter that Rudy Gobert smiled. And this was a very big moment because Rudy doesn't smile. And, you know, and it was like, our guys knew that the game was over. They're like, okay, we're up 17. We are the Utah jazz. At this point we were 20 and seven. They were 10 and 17. Like this thing's over. And then they went on and their third quarter, the Spurs third quarter was 41 to 23. Like they went insane. And then in the fourth quarter, when it was time to buckle up, we, we tried. And, you know, at this point, San Antonio was rolling and they had made so many shots that when it was time for us to buckle in and get stops, we couldn't because we took the third quarter off. And I think that this is a problem that goes back to last year, that game six, of the Clipper series is we were up 26 and then the Clipper started rolling. And by the time it was crunch time, when we needed to get going, we couldn't, we couldn't get stops because they were rolling. And I think this is a very serious problem that the jazz have is that our defense gets complacent. We, we allow these big leads to disappear and our guys think that just because you have a you know 20 point lead 15 point lead whatever it may be that that's too much to overcome when time and time again and this week we've seen it multiple times where this lead gets disintegrated and we end up losing games or you know tonight we squeaked one out that the hornets tonight went on what like an 18 to 2 run Something like that. Like the Hornets, the Hornets shouldn't be doing that to the Jazz. Like they're on the back end of a back-to-back in the fourth quarter with five minutes left. They shouldn't be going on this massive run. Yeah, I mean, especially with how offensively and defensively dominant the Jazz are, it it really doesn't make sense how we give up, you know, these leads. And especially so late in the game, you think we'd be locked in. You know, um, we had a a 14-point lead. At half, and they outscored us by 18 points in that third quarter. The Jazz are usually, like, historically this season, a third quarter team. Like, this season, they're, like, probably – I think I've heard that they're, like, the best offensive third quarter team. They usually just come out of halftime and just are firing. And so, for them to be outscored by 18 points, I mean, it baffles me because I don't know why. Um, maybe they went cold. I know it's just one game, but it seems to happen pretty often. And I mean, I want to touch on what you were kind of saying, you know, we let these teams get rolling and then all of a sudden we're like, Oh shoot. Like we got to buckle up. We got to, you know, start taking things seriously, but it's too late. And maybe it's just cause I'm a jazz fan and I watch jazz basketball all the time, but it seems like the jazz are the most prone team to, letting people just go off. Like it seems like every time, like every game, there's at least one person that just dominates the jazz. And especially on these big wins, it's one guy. And I mean, there's exceptions, but the jazz let these teams get in their groove and then our defense can't slow them down. We're too small. We're not quick enough. And then what bugs me the most is we start relying so much on 
Donovan Mitchell and Jordan Clarkson to go and create these shots. And yeah, those guys can catch fire and make all the difference. But usually when we're trying to play catch up or when the other team's rolling, it's hard for us to keep up when we're just relying on these two guys to offensively carry. Um, You know, we occasionally dish the ball to Boyan to hit an awesome corner three, or we get something awesome like on the wing from Royce or Conley or a dunk from Gobert. But it's not like we're feeding these guys and like, putting people through the blender all of a sudden we're like single-handedly putting all our buckets into Donovan Mitchell or Jordan Clarkson. It's just hard to watch. You know, those guys, like I said, can just go off, but it's hard when the other teams has so much momentum, those guys can't do it alone. And that's what worries me. You know, we, we trust these single guys to carry the entire offensive workload to keep up with the other team. That's just rolling and on fire. Yeah, I mean, you you definitely see that, you know, teams will get going. And then for us to get back in the game, we think we have to do this one-on-one ball. And it's like, okay, you got up by 20 by playing team ball, passing it around, getting the blender going. So why not go back to that? Like, that's what doesn't make sense. Like, the Jazz, when they try to, like, stop these runs – it's always like, okay, give the ball to someone and let them score. I, and it, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to do on that. Yeah. Like, well, it's hard, but, too, because we don't know what's going on in the locker room. We don't know what Quinn's saying. We don't know what the game plan is, you know, what they, they strategized for. So, I mean, from our side of things, we may think one thing, but internally it's completely different. But it really does seem like we just – you know, put all our eggs in one basket and trust so much and we get tired or lazy. And all of a sudden, you know, you, you got all five guys on the other team just hitting everything and just playing with such momentum. And then all of a sudden Lonnie Walker goes right at Rudy Gobert in the last few seconds of the game, double pumps, whatever it was, falling to the ground, hooks up a right-handed shot and hits it. You know, of course the momentum's, everything's going their way. Yeah. And they hit it and like, and then same with those buzzer beaters that we lost beforehand. Like, you know, we, we let these leads go. We they have all the momentum. Of course, they're going to hit those game winning shots, the half court shot. Like it, it only makes sense, you know, like it's like karma. <laughs> you know, we start uh, being lazy or whatever it is and karma is going to bite back and we're going to lose those freaking games. So I don't know what, I mean, what do you have to say about Quinn? A lot of people think that Quinn doesn't know how to adjust. What, what are your opinions on that? No, I think that Quinn, you know, here's here's what we have to think, okay? Right now through – let me pull this up real quick. Um, through 30 games, so we're about 40% done with the regular season. The Jazz have the third best record in the NBA. We're tied with Brooklyn for the third best. We're number three in the West, three and a half games back. Like. Number one offense, right? Number number one offense. And it's, it's the same story with the jazz. We have these great regular seasons, but Max, until the postseason comes, like nothing's going to change. The narrative is always going to be the same with this jazz squad. And so we have to figure out. Like the playoffs 
And, and until that moment, I'm not going to overreact over two losses against the Washington Wizards, who are a sixth seed in the East, and the San Antonio Spurs. Like, I think Tony Jones said it best. You're not going to play your best games every night of the year. Like, you're not going to have 82 games where you're – the top level that you can be like, that's just not going to happen. And I don't expect it to, you know, all I'm looking for is that we get some momentum going. We figure out how to win in different ways. And tonight was one of that, you know, because tonight's normally a game max that we lose. The team comes raging back and we don't have what it takes to stop that. But then that team, you know, the Hornets came raging back and then we we ended it and we said, hey, you know, we're the better team. Let's go. Yeah. And we have done it a few times this season where the other team comes raging back and we've held them off and we've shown, you know, what we're capable of. Um, I wouldn't say we usually lose those games, but we often lose those games. We lose them more often than we should, especially for the type of team we have. Um, That being said, I also believe in Quinn Snyder. I think that I think. Um, what's the name? Uh, David Locke said last year on his podcast that the Jazz were buying into 48 minutes of the same style of basketball when they brought back Derek Favors. I think we've done that even more so by going in on Hassan Whiteside. Um, no, but, of- but it, it, it has changed because against the Spurs, we did run small ball when both Rudy and Whiteside were available. And Whiteside plays a different style than Rudy. You're right. You're right. But he's still, um, I guess I shouldn't say for all, it's not the same for all 48 minutes this year, but we have a, he's a great rim protector, a great rebounder, but yes, we do have that small ball lineup. And like you said, we're trying to toy with things. We're trying to figure out the lineups. We want to go into the playoffs as ready as possible. We're going to lose some games and that is a hundred percent. Okay. With me, because we need to learn, we need to get knocked down so that we can go back, look at it, you know, in the film room and come back with a, a better game plan. We need to know what it's like to have that small ball lineup, um, how to play with these different rotations. So that when we get to the playoffs, we are ready for whatever anything gets thrown, whatever any team throws at us. Um, I totally believe in the game plan. I totally believe in Quinn. I think that we have a strength. Our offense is so good. And when it rolls, it rolls. And obviously it can go cold easy. A three-point shot isn't the easiest shot in the world. Um, But statistically, it's an awesome shot to take. And we're going to commit to finding those shots. We're going to stick to committing or creating those shots as much as possible, whether they're falling or not, because, you know, you're going to go cold, but eventually they're going to catch fire again. The Jazz started off this season as one of the worst three-point shooting teams and are now third best in the league with 37% um, behind like the Hawks and someone else. Um, you know, their strengths are going to kick in. They're going to get going. And I have faith in, you know, what what's going to happen. But like I said, we're going to have to lose some because we're going to be experimenting and that's 100% okay with me. Uh, I'm sick and tired of seeing the the lack of faith in what's going on. Like we lose a game and everyone's like, Oh, it's the end of the world trade. So-and-so get rid of so-and-so like everyone just needs to chill. It's part of the game plan We're we don't need to win every single game in order to make it to the finals. We need to lose in order to know where our failures are and how to improve on them. 
but we are winning every game from here on out, people. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't mind it. So, all right, Max, let's uh, let's wrap this thing up. We've been talking too long. People don't want to hear us for this long. Uh, buzzer beating hot takes. What do you got? Ooh, buzzer beating hot takes. So, real quick, who do we got coming up? Um, so we took on the Wiz. Wait, no, we took on the Hornets tonight, and then on Thursday, oh, we got the Timberwolves. Um, and Saturday, we got Dallas, both at home. Um, man, I I want a big game from Rudy Gobert. I want him, you know, I saw that Carl Anthony Towns had a big week against uh, Embiid and against um, he was player of the week, the Lakers. Yeah. He's player of the week and he had a huge game against AD um, was probably talking more than he should have. Um, but I want to see Rudy Gobert, you know, the, he stretches the court very well. He shoots the three very well for a big man. Um, I want to see Rudy Gobert. I'm, I'm committing to Rudy Gobert right now to keep, setting the tone for this team and um, being a dominant force. So um, I'm looking for a, a 20, 20, 20 points, 15 rebounds, four block night from him. And then Carl Anthony Towns is going to score less than 18 points. Wow. Less than 17, 17. So Little let's let's make it known that after we played the Timberwolves last time, Patrick Beverly said that Rudy Gobert isn't the defensive player of the year, that he's not that good, no one's scared of him. Mind you, we beat them by 30 points. We held them to 25% in the restricted area when league average is 46%. Um it was not like it was not. No, it, it, I think it's even higher. I think it's in the fifties for restricted area. That's not that's not the time you come at him, Pat Bev. And and I think that the Jazz team took offense to that. And I think we're gonna have a blowout win against the. I sure team. hope so. I, I, I Ant said some stuff as well. So yeah, Ant's out with COVID right now, but um, he could be back. I don't. I don't. He is on my fantasy team and, and isn't back yet. But um, so yeah, I mean, I think I'm saying you know Timberwolves, we're gonna blow them out and, and we're gonna show them who the who the Jazz are. And and yeah, to blow out. How many points? We going for more than thirty this time or? No, I'm gonna say a, a blowout's fifteen or more. We're gonna beat them by more than fifteen. Okay. Are we gonna are we gonna hold them under hundred points? Is our defense gonna be that dominant, or is it gonna be an offensively dominant? Yeah, no, it's it's going to be a defensive defensive domination, and and Rudy's gonna gonna show us something. Oh yeah, you know, real quick, I I feel really bad for Rudy Gobert. I think, you know, he he gets a bad rep for whatever it is. You know, his defense people, he wins Defensive Player of the Year because he's a great defensive player. People hate on him because of that because they don't think he can guard one through five. I get that even though statistically it says they say the numbers say that he is a defensive beast and by far changes the game more than anyone else does on the defensive end. Um, but I mean, is he that, I mean, he flops, he complains, but you know, I feel like Rudy Gobert is a good guy. what do you say? So does everyone. Yeah, so does everyone. I mean, LeBron James, I mean, he gets lots of hate. Lots of guys complain. Um, but I think Rudy Gobert is a good guy. Um, 
I guess he loves ducks. <laughs> geese, isn't it geese? geese? Whatever it is, geese. That ain't that weird, though. I mean, whatever. But I, I think he's a good guy, and I feel bad for him. Um, I don't know how he's – I feel like he's a pretty quiet guy. Um, he's pretty respectful, and so I feel bad to see him get so much hate. Um, so I root for him. I feel like he's an underdog and it's cool to see, you know, his story is an awesome story and I'll keep rooting him on. Uh, I, I like to see him succeed. I'm glad we gave him the money. I think he hundred percent deserves it. And he's making all the differences here. He, he gets better every single year, comes back with more, uh, weapons, um, better timing on the block, you know, whatever it is, like he just, he gets better and better. And it's, I don't get why people hate on him as a member of, or as a fan of the Utah jazz, like, the only thing you really hate on him is that he can't shoot. <laughs> but yeah. and then tonight he shoots 15 um, night, or 16. It's those 15 foot jumpers that he shoots tonight. That's, yeah. That's but hey, like I said, he earned that. So whatever. Take freaking note. Well, here's another week. Here comes another win streak. Um, it's gonna be some good jazz basketball. We got those two ugly wins out of the way. The jazz seem to do that, and then they get rolling again. So here comes another uh, few game win streak and some beautiful basketball from our our beloved Utah Jazz. Right before we sign off, I want to say that the loss to the Spurs is 100% on Max. Um, I believe it was after the eighth win, he sent a message in our group chat that said, how many wins do you think we'll go on? I think this is going to be double digits, like 13. And then <laughs> we blow the lead. So I had to say it. I had to have the faith, but maybe I did jinx us. Whatever. But take freaking note, people. This is the Just Jazz Podcast.